the Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Magic Mike Show, episode number 409. We're joined by a couple special guests today. Magic off. He's up in Michigan. I've got Aaron Haltwood with me. And then we have Chris Griffin down here, the track announcer for Parks Racing Monster Day coming up on Saturday. Five graded stakes, $800,000 in listed stakes, the four races before that. A plethora of pick fours and a mandatory payout on the pick five. Chris, you excited for Saturday? It's a huge one. Yeah, who's singing in that song? Who's in the intro song? Who's that? Is that you? <laughs> that is not me. We have we have a, a guy on. who just likes to watch these shows and make up intros for it. It's phenomenal. That's uh, all right. Out in California, yeah. Ryan, he's amazing, man. It's it's yeah, a blast. That's very good. That's very good, man. No, happy to be on with you. You know, Mike, you and I have talked uh, many times. We don't get face to face very often, so it's nice to be able to do that. And uh, happy to be aboard, man. Just yeah, getting involved in thirteen races, a big card. It's great to see that people want to get involved in the wagering action. Of course, uh, I know you guys can talk about the Philly Big Five later, but a mandatory distribution for the betters out there that want to take part. Uh, obviously, kicking off with a, a thirteen and a fourteen, looking at you, fifteen with NTOs involved in the Turf Monster. So uh, that's gonna be exciting looking forward to the wagering opportunities for folks out there looking forward to the big races uh, you know this is our day to shine as far as what we do in pennsylvania the biggest day of racing in pennsylvania uh and the racing office did their job you know i've said it repeatedly that the, the, there's a lot of people that they're back there that get on you know i'm lucky to be able to do this stuff you know get on camera and be able to talk about the, and promote and do what we do but the people that work back there phone calls and back and forth and making sure these horses can ship in it's a uh, it's exciting so looking forward to it looking forward to big card on saturday hopefully we get some nice weather i I think it's going to be a little bit cooler, kind of in that 70, 75 degree temperature range. Uh, don't quote me on that because it's the East Coast and I, I, I'm i done predicting weather out here. Uh, they said it was going to be sunny, no problem. And then like clouds show up. It rained like for an hour here, not three hours ago. So and and that's that's something to take note of, too. You know, just a passing shower. But we had a good turf course on Wednesday. So we'll see how that plays in for Saturday. And you mentioned the turf course. I'd love to just jump into the, the kind of handicapping park side of it. I know not sure. a lot of people play parks every single day. I played a lot on Monday and Tuesday through tournaments. Mm -hmm. um, the turf course doesn't get used all of that often. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about the turf course, how it generally plays? We obviously have a couple stakes races we're going to be talking about on the turf. Yeah. Are you looking for front runners in those sprints? Are you looking for horses to come from off it? Yeah, it's a good question, Mike. I mean, you take a look at the the turf rail. So the turf rail has been out at 22 feet here for probably the past month and a half, I would say. I'd have to look back to how far back we've had it. The turf rail is going to be down. When you have these big field sizes like that, the turf rail is going to be at zero feet. So with a little bit of, of give in the ground, with the rain that we've seen, I think you're going to start to see some of the horses possibly come from a little bit from off the pace and be able to go ahead and catch those front runners is the speed going to hold it can if you've got the right horse you know that's right as a horse that comes to mind right away right you take a look at a horse with a rail draw here that's got one way of going it's right to the front is this horse going to find that early speed and take them all the way at five furlongs to just say go 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 with Andy Hernandez uh, for trainer Michael Moore so I, I think it's going to lend to the best horse winning that day with big field sizes like this obviously on turf races trip is everything uh, you know not everything but it's a big part Part of it as far as how you handicap the races uh, and then we got the shoot so when that when they come by the shoot they're in the lane uh, you know it, they're going to be able to open up and kind of spread out a little bit even more so we'll see how that all plays in but it, it should be a nice field there to kick off things in that philly big five uh, and you can make a lot of different 
handicapping decisions because I don't I don't know how deep you go on the ticket there uh, to kick things off. Do you have a real strong opinion or do you say, man, I got a spread here to stay alive? But then you better have some real strong opinions later on the card like I know you guys do. I, I, the, the handicapping you guys do is phenomenal. So, you know, when you take a look at later on the card too, where do we find those singles? Where do we find some of these horses that we got to feel like, look, this horse is either going to make my day or I'm just not going to get there? Yeah, Aaron and I were talking before the show just about how phenomenal this pick five sequence is. I mean, you mentioned it starts out with this massive field. You you have to make make decisions and where you're going to go short here because you want to sure. go five or six deep in some of these early races. Um, two monster races on the card, obviously, the, the PA Derby, then the Cotillion. Uh, let's start with the Cotillion, start with the girls here. Um, coming into it, have you seen any workouts over the track, anyone who seems to really like it? Is there anyone that you're you're favoring in that race? Yeah, I, you know, as far as uh, horses, that th they're starting to show up. You're starting to see the horses ship in. Adair Manor got a feel for the track here. They got here on Tuesday, so they were able to get over the track there from the, the, the West Coast runners. Secret Oath, she's here. Uh, she's schooled to the paddock. I saw her today, um, and you're seeing plenty of videos of her just getting acclimated. You know, she's well-traveled, and she knows this game, and she's had, uh, what are we looking at, 11 lifetime starts. You know, she's she's been, she's had a strong campaign. She's had five victories. Dwayne Lucas is going to be here in, in Ben Salem to join us here. Uh, he's he's being very gracious to join us for a press conference tomorrow morning. So uh, really looking forward to that. Green Up, I think, is going to be the horse that people start to really take a look at. If you go back and watch her performance that I do, I, I like to watch replays and I start to watch how horses are traveling. Look, she's won four races in a row. She's done it in dominating fashion. She's come back and been lights out in her last two starts. She ran a good number last time right here over the surface, going a mile and 70. And it just looked like the way that she opened up, she drifted out a little bit into the lane, but that was just because she was just sprinting away and she had so much left. Uh, she's going to go a mile and 16. So there's not much of a change in, in distance. She's going to be able to handle kind of the same thing. I guess the only question is she, she, she's got the rail draw and a dare manners right next to her. What do you do first? You know, Adair Manor hasn't been seen since the Black-Eyed Susan. I think that's an interesting tactical decision to make down there towards the inside. And Secret Oath, we know her style, but how close is she going to be to the pace? I, I, you know, there is speed in here. Society's got speed to the outside. Um, you know, gerrymander is even a horse that, you know, she, she might lay a little bit closer. Uh, Goddess of Fire, she's probably going to take back. And Morning Matcha, talking to the connections there, you know, she's going to be the second longest shot in the field. This is a horse that is four for five at Parks. If you're looking for some of that value, I know that they've talked about the tactics they want to take back and, and then make that one big run. She was a little closer to the pace last time, maybe a little bit closer than they were they were envisioning for her trip. Um, but she's a horse that does like this racetrack, and if she gets the right trip and does get the right setup, she could make some noise. Whether she's going to outrun a secret oath in the stretch, you know, those are the grade one type questions that the betters out there got to ask. Yeah, this is this is a fun race in my mind. You mentioned Adair Manor coming back, back to the Bob Baffert barn. We'll see yeah. if she can kind of rekindle what she had when she was with him earlier this year. Uh, the pace projections, it's tough to figure out who's going to be out there. I, I like the call on the one green up. Really interesting horse, uh, especially with that, that nice win over the park's track. Um, mentioning that, are there any horses that maybe like, on these days when you have these all these horses shipping in, the mm -hmm. betters gravitate toward those horses that are shipping in. And sometimes sure. the local horses get overlooked a little bit. Uh -huh. Are there any local horses in these these later stakes races that you think you obviously Morning Macho one that you mentioned could kind of jump up and surprise her if she can handle the class? Is there any other local horse in these later races that the betters might overlook that you think has a shot based on just what they've done at parks? Man, that's a good question, Mike. I, I always depend on you for the good questions, man. That's a good <laughs> question. But yeah, you, you know, you take a look at Morning Macho. I, I pointed her out because I just think. From the local contingent, she at that price would be the one that I say, oh, man, I, I could see her 
you know, Butch Reed knows how to win races. He's won many races at very high levels, at the highest level, uh, so he can get it done there. As far as looking at the Derby, you know, there's some questions. Naval Aviator really hasn't done a whole lo lot wrong here recently, but this is also a much different level that we're facing that afternoon. Uh, JKX Racing, Abner Adorno, he got a grade one mount last year when he was on I Am Redeemed, so, uh, you know, maybe they get the right trip from the outside and maybe it can kind of stick around. It seems like we the people goes to the front. So whoever's going to be up on or near the pace, and if, if they're not going as quick, you know, maybe it does set up. Simplification got here two weeks early. I don't know what that points out as far as, you know, Antonio Sana said, let's get this horse comfortable. Let's get him on the racetrack. You know, he had some time off. Uh, Antonio Sana has said that he liked the way that he came back in the West Virginia Derby. You know, to run a race like that, they felt like that that was a, a good enough performance here to now catapult him to the next step forward. He was coming off a layoff and was on a sloppy track last time. That's the other question. You know, how do you take the horses off of a sloppy track effort now coming over to what we are looking at and forecasting to be a fast main track on Saturday afternoon? The Alphabet Soup is is pretty much all local runners that's going to be in that sequence. It's a Pennsylvania bred stakes race. Uh, you Must Chill won the race last year. Is You Must Chill in the same type of form, though? You know, you take a look at some of his running lines here. Uh, he can obviously win this race. Uh, wait for it. It's got to kind of bounce back in form a little bit. So that closing leg, you know, a second behind uh, Midnight Harbor, or when you're taking a look at, at that final race, I got so many notes. Midnight Holler, excuse me, not Midnight Harbor. Um, off of that win over at Penn, you know, You Must Chill is now coming back over here to Parks, but off of three kind of okay efforts finish behind by land and see who's going to be in this race down on the rail so that that closing leg yeah that's all loads that's all local horses for the most part and horses that are very familiar with this turf course and and, and a tough way to end the sequence i think because could it be chalky yes could you see a little bit uh you know something kind of wonky happening there in the last i could see that that taking place but Look, the horses that are shipping in for these grade one races for a million dollars, they're here for a reason. They know that they've got a live shot to win. Uh, it's good to see our local connections in here. Icy Storm, that's the horse that comes to mind. Adam Bowman, I couldn't be happier for Adam Bowman, a, a journeyman jockey that's been here at Parks. Uh, and he he does his job, you know what I mean? He gets out there in the morning, he's up there every day, and he does the hard work. Whether these horses can run against horses of these caliber at this level on this stage, We'll find out. It's great. It's it's great to see those connections in the race, um, but they're going to have to run some big races because there's some very very good Grade One caliber horses. Four Grade One winners in, in a Grade One race, the Bed Park Pennsylvania Derby. I, I mean, that it's it's impressive, and I a big field like this. I would think that the connections think it's wide open. You know, you get 11 horses in there. I think they think it's an open race. So yeah, I fantastic. feel like I'm doing all the talking. You guys, you guys are the announcers. We just we just can't stop. I've been, I've been guilty of that before. Though. That's actually a great transition because <laughs> I, I love hearing about the card. I want to talk a little bit about announcing, right? Yeah. So there's there are probably three thankless jobs in horse racing. Actually, there's plenty of them. But three of the ones that people get on people about Twitter are, are morning line makers, jockeys, and announcers, right? Yeah. So I'm sure you've gotten it all from the announcer side of it. What sure. goes into a day of prepping like this for you? I mean, I, I, you've obviously have a ton of notes for this show. I can't imagine how many mm. notes you have for a day that you're going to race. And then what do you do to prepare for it? Do you have, you know, I've seen the little sheets with the, like the silks all colored out. What do you do to kind of make sure that you knock it out of the park on a day like this? Yeah. I mean, it's for, for me, it's the preparation of looking and, and knowing we're pretty, I'm pretty familiar with the, the runners that are going earlier on the card. That's actually the ones where I'm like looking at it because you, you got two year olds, you got a lot of first time starters, you got names that you probably haven't seen before. That's the first time you want to make sure you get those right. 
Um, I, I, I do post parades here at parks uh, on, on our normal days. I'll do the, the horse and jockey, but for 10 stakes races, that's a lot of owners. That's a lot of trainers. That's a lot of jockeys to, to, to roll off in the post parades and make sure that you do it professionally. Uh, so shout out to any owners out there. If any, if any of those names are tough, that, uh, so I don't botch it on Saturday, it's always appreciated to let the track announcer know, Hey, it's pronounced this way. And, and it's pronounced that way. Um, I actually, I invite those things. Be nice about it. But I mean, it's sure. just, those are, those are things that can only help the announcer showcase what we want to watch on the track on, on the biggest day. So um, for me, the preparation is, man, just, I, 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 it's hard for me to sit still. You know me, Mike, from, from other <laughs> racetracks I've been and whatnot, you know, whether it's TikTok, whether it's the phone, whether it's social <laughs> media, I just love being able to feel like it's, it's an event not only on our biggest day, but it's an event every day. You know, yeah. our athletes don't leave, right? The horses are back there on the backside. I have an opportunity to be able to get coverage and to bring you the story of a $5,000 claimer, but I can bring you the story, of course, of a grade one horse that's here for our biggest day. Um, I think that that's vital. I, I just think that from a coverage standpoint, I think it tells you the story. We have the opportunity to race year round here at Park. So when you do that, Again, you, you have the opportunity to tell so many different stories, let people see who the trainers are, let them at least know where these trainers come from. These people work so hard um, daily and, and grooms, hot walkers, everybody in the barn area. So it's just nice to be able to promote that and, and share that a little bit with the audience. Um, for this day, 13 races, I've looked at the field, I look at the names. I'm not a big color my program the day before guy. I'm not, uh, it, there, there, are, there are ways that you can do that for the most part, because I probably will do it. As I say that, I probably will do it because <laughs> right for the, for the grade ones, the vet parks, Pia Derby and the cotillion, we probably know what the silks are going to be when they come out. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can, I can color those in and, and start to get in that mindset. I really don't, I, it's hard to kind of go over all the scenarios in your head. Even if I do it, I, I just am not trying to do it too much to that extent. I handicap, I take a look at it. I know that, you know, maybe the race is going to shape out this way. So I'll take a look at it that way. Um, I've got a full set of markers. I ran out of black ink. Black ink is, is, is very strongly used. So I had to get a, a new set of markers for that. And red, 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 the red and the black that. had to be replaced. Yeah. But uh, everything else, blue, yellow, green, everything else is all good because there's nothing worse, Mike, than on that day, if you don't prepare ahead of time, that I, it's like, grade school again right like I've, I've, I've drawn the blue and i'm out of ink or something like that and now i'm like does anybody have Luster, a blue right? marker on the premises anywhere <laughs> to help me color my program but the, the silks only help me uh do what i gotta do on that day and the vantage points are fine the sight lines are great so for me it's taking a deep breath luckily i don't have to handicap i can leave it to guys like you that uh, like the, like you guys the dudes out there that can that could put the handicapping and help people really find their way from a wagering standpoint to get involved. Uh, Jessica Paquette, who I'm sure you've come across, Wonderful. she's going to be yeah, added to our good. on-site coverage and she's going to be here on uh, joining cool. our team and she'll have padded previews. She's going to be doing selections because for me, handicapping and the selections is also a much different thing than, you know, handicapping and calling the race and taking a look at it. So um, to be able to, to really focus in and hone on, hone in on that, that's, that's what I do appreciate here on a day like this. But it's a lot of the same stuff. You know, I don't know. It's just, 
nothing really changes. You can't, you don't change a bunch of different techniques. I think the excitement level, obviously, you know, but yeah, for you sure. turn up the, turn up the volume a little bit, not too much, but so bit. got a couple more questions for you. real quick. This yeah. one came in the chat from shoddy. Uh, what's your favorite horse name that you've gotten to call so far? Oh, and you've been man. all over the place for people who don't know. Yep. Chris, he's at Sam Houston at parks. You've been in Naira. We'll talk about that in a second as well. Uh, what's man. your favorite horse name, horse name that you've gotten? Oh, this is so hard. The, the when it gets to the favorite horses and whatnot, it's just so hard. Now there is an Arabian race that I called on the fair circuit one time. The <laughs> horse's name um, was all one word, and you, you know this is not even a thoroughbred that I'm calling, obviously. But uh, it was Kissa my blank, and then uh, Ra is how how the how the name ended, and it just all was one word together. And as you said it. You realize well, but the but the sire and the dam, like the the way it shaped out, it did make sense. The name did make sense. But when I like kept looking at, it, I was like, "How do you, how do you like put a, like how do you, how do you how do you say this?" Did the horse but, win? But also not say. Of course, the horse can run. Yeah, yeah of course, <laughs> of course. I think I don't remember if it won its debut or won its second start, but the horse definitely won uh, from the back of the field. For those right. that are putting the pieces together, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I I don't know about fun, but that was one that does stick in my mind. Like, why? Why do you do this? Why? All right. So we we always hear the announcers make these calls, right? With the the little catchphrases, the cliches, all that jazz on these oh, bigger man. races. You asked the wrong guy. <laughs> have you ha have you thought of any yet for the PA no, Derby? Are you going off the top no. of your head for this one? I I I just. I can't do it, man. I, I, it's one of those things that I, it's not that I feel like I don't deserve to get those cliches and to kind of get into that. I think there, there, there are iconic moments, Mike, you know, I get it. You know, there's, there's these iconic moments that I've heard and, and we've heard that you can just replay, right? You see the race and you know what they said. Um, the greats that have been in the booth that, you know, exactly that moment, they take you right there. I'm humbled to be able to get the chance to do this in grade ones. And if it comes out organically and it's something that absolutely works and it's a home run, then I hope that that does happen. Will I prepare a few little things, maybe write a word or two down that makes a lot of sense? Yeah, I, I think that there's there's some words and, and things like that that can come in your head. But it just for me, you know, I, I want to make sure I get it done right. I want to be accurate. I want to make sure the betters are enjoying my race calls. Uh, I want to enjoy watching these great horses tell the story and, and just narrating it correctly. Now, if a horse goes out there and is going to win by 15 lengths or something like that in one of the big races, I probably better have something ready. I mean, I, may, I better have something kind of uh, in my mind that I would like to use. But as far as the preparation on that stuff, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get too much into that yet. I, I, I don't, I don't want to have, uh, there, there's some serious icons of the game. I am working myself to get to even half that level. Uh, and if I get lucky enough to do that on Saturday, that'll be great. And uh, I expect many tweets and retweets if that does happen. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely be retweeting you if that happens. <laughs> First off, congratulations as well. For everyone who doesn't know know about Chris's meteoric rise here through what he's been able to yeah. do. Was calling Sam Houston when we were all over Sam Houston a couple of years ago. Obviously, at Parks Now, just got announced that you're going to be joining the Naira circuit. Uh, for uh, which is it? Is it Aqueduct or Belmont that you're going to be calling? I'll be at Aqueduct. Yep, I'll be at Aqueduct. So, congratulations, Chris. When is that, that transition that. happening? Yeah, that'll be in January, so that'll be in the winter time, and it's a it's a it's a wonderful opportunity, and it's uh, I, 
I work hard. You know, I do work hard, and yeah. I, I hope people do realize that. But it's not it's not about patting myself on the back. It's about respecting the booth and 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 doing the job, and, and being able to get in there. And again, the horses and the jockeys and, and the connections are the story. Uh, I'm I'm lucky enough to be able. To, this this doesn't feel like work. You know, it sounds cliche a little bit, but it doesn't feel like work. This is a a fun job to be a part of, and. Uh, yeah, I'm blessed, man, to get these opportunities. I made the move to the East Coast, and and the way that that opportunities have come my way has been a, a pure joy. So yeah, looking forward to winter time. Looking forward to rocking the house on Saturday, and just looking forward to uh, many great races and hopefully some appearances on this show. Uh, even with the Missouri Southern guy over there in the green sweatshirt that we were talking about uh, before I jumped on air. You can't shut Aaron up. He asks all the questions, doesn't he? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I've been real talkative today. That's all right. That's all right. You can, you guys handle all the handicapping. You take care of it. Well, Chris, before we let you go, you mentioned TikTok, Twitter, everything. Where can the fans yeah. find you so that they can get an idea of, of kind of what you do for the sport and how, how much you do promote the backside and everything that's going on around parks? Yeah, surprisingly, Chris Griffin was taken uh, on many oh, yeah. social media accounts. It's it's hard to just say at Chris Griffin and be like, we're good. Yeah. We're good. I cannot tell you how many times I get the, the pictures and the, the memes and the, the the character and whatnot. But, you I know, only whatever. Imagine. It's all good. Uh, so it's at in the grandstand. At in the grandstand is where you could find me. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm not a ton active on, on, on Instagram a little bit. Uh, the TikTok is actually at in the grandstand 10, I think is what it is. And uh, I'm new to TikTok, but it's actually a really fun platform to kind of get into the video side and, and, and figure out ways to um, – bring the product to people that are watching uh, at home because a lot of people watch from home. That's just, that's just the reality of, of, of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, especially uh, here at parks. But um, yeah, so you can check me out there, hit us up on Twitter. I'm not going to be a ton active on, on Saturday as far as Twitter, you know, and I appreciate people understanding that, that my, my phone will probably be put away for the most part. Uh, JM Paquette, she'll be rocking the house and she'll be doing everything from a social media standpoint and really helping us out. Danny Gibson, the PTHA 17, they'll be here at parks racing. Of course, you guys can follow throughout the day and uh, the PHRI Penn Horse Racing, they're going to be out here too. So we got everybody that's going to be out here in Pennsylvania. We got appearances by Jameer Nelson, St. Joe's Hall of Famer, or, or St. Joe's National Player of the Year, I should say. He will be out here making an appearance. Uh, BDOC is in the Bet Parks Pennsylvania Derby. Uh, BDOC will be here making an appearance as well. Brian Dawkins is going to oh, be man. making an appearance at Parks. So, of course, the horse is 20 to 1, right? Of course, he has to be 20 to 1. But uh, Brian Dawkins will be making an appearance on Saturday as well. And uh, it's a huge day, man. It's a, it's a great day. I, I really respect you guys from a handicapping standpoint, what you guys do. You guys do a really fantastic job and uh, appreciate you guys want to be involved and, and get your folks involved and looking at Saturday's card. And look. Let's have some safe racing. Let's have some great racing, big full fields, and uh, really excited about it and really, uh, again, honored to be in the booth to do it. Very cool. Thank you very much for joining us, Chris. Uh, don't forget, there's a horse named Magic Michael that is running. So just in case he does win. Defending sure champion. Defending champion is running, right? Yeah, it's unfortunately not a single in the pick five sequence because it's not in the pick five sequence. But right. I just, just make sure you have that ready. All right, Chris, thank you very much for joining us, man. Everyone, make sure you check out Parks and everything going on over there. Uh, we're going to let Chris go, and then Aaron and I are going to jump into this pick five sequence that is quite difficult. <laughs> so thank you very much, Chris, and uh, let's kick this puppy off. When I, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, take care, Chris.
All right, let's kick this puppy off with the ninth race over at Parks Racing. Uh, it's the grade three turf monster, five furlongs on the turf. We got a full field here of 12 horses. Uh, last year's was won by 99 to one shot, I believe, Aaron. Yep. Kind of got off on a, on a crazy wild sequence here. Uh, where are you going on top here in the turf monster? Yeah, last year I was uh, watching this race while driving down to Oklahoma for a football game, which is what I'll be doing again uh, this year. And I about had a wreck when that 99 to one shot won last year. So hopefully no wrecks this year. Uh, boy, Chris Griffin, great job. Man, that was awesome. Good dude, right. isn't he? <laughs> Let's go on. To the question you asked me, I feel like Papa Dude. I'm just beating around the bush all of a sudden. Uh, listen, I went five deep here, but I do like the number four, nothing better on top. Uh, look. I've never really handicapped a race where every horse likes to go to the front like this race. It's incredible. I think the big key is what horse can go to the front, but has shown in the past that they can sit off the speed just a little bit uh, with it being five furlongs on the turf. I don't really want one coming from way out of it, but I, I want somebody just off that pace. I thought the four, nothing better kind of had shown that in the past, uh, the ability to kind of sit off and pounce. So, Number four, nothing better. That's what I put on top, and that's that's the first horse I'll use here. It's going to be the first of many agreements here on this show. I'm not too worried about us ripping through this thing in 35 minutes because I think there's a, a couple races that we're going to agree. I had the four on top as well. I thought nothing better made a ton of sense in here. Um, this one, I think, can stalk and pounce. I think that's the big key difference. Love the pickup of Luis Saez, and I've been a Hori Duarte Jr. fan for a while. Uh, my second choice here was the inside horse. That's right. Chris mentioned this horse. Should be able to get the lead in a race that does have a ton of speed, but I love that rail draw. Um, especially with these, they have these massive fields. Being able to get the rail and being speed, I think, makes a big difference on a day like this. So I put with the one as my next horse here. Did you use the one? Yeah, I did use the one, and I'm with you. I like the rail draw for the one. The thing is, he just needs to break, right? That's going to be the big key. If he doesn't break well, then just toss the ticket on the one. It's going to be a big trouble. Breaks well. If he can just be the speed of the speed, kick clear. Can he hold on? Eh, we'll see. But listen, shortest way around the track, obviously break well, and, and I think you'll have a shot at it. Uh, we got to get a little bit wild in this sequel, or in this this first race as well. Uh, you kind of got to place some prices in here, mix them in there. So I'll go on to the 11 was one I was very interested in. Um, the turf races, they haven't been too bad, but I really like the speed from the outside. I feel like this is another one that can kind of kind of pick the spot. It break, and, and for whatever reason, if you somehow can get the lead, go ahead and get it. He's fine sitting off of it, too. So I think the 11 smooth B, that was my third horse in. My second horse was, uh, that's right. So uh, like I said, went five deep. The third horse was the 11. Yeah, I, I left the 11 off. I looked at this one because it was 0 for 11 on the turf. And I just couldn't get around that when I was handicapping. So I, I went price hunting in a different place. Uh, we had agreement, it looks like, on the five here. So let's talk a little about the five. Uncle Ernie, uh, Rosario picking up the mount for John's service. This one I thought was interesting just because you're getting that first time turf, first time late in the four-year-old season. I like the workout two back. Is there anything else that jumped out of you for Uncle Ernie? I thought Rosario getting the mount was the big thing. Uh, you know, Rosario on turf sprints, very, very solid. Uh, I don't want him with a dead closer in a turf sprint because we're going to get way too far behind. But a horse like this, sometimes it can be good when you have this kind of setup, right? Because I don't see him forcing this horse to the lead. I think he'll be patient with him. He might get him sitting four or five links off this thing, which might be where you actually want to be in a spot like this with all that other speed. Uh, listen, no turf form. It's it's a guess. Broken vow on the bottom. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Listen, I, I think the horse takes to the turf's got a shot here. I love the eight to one price. Yeah. So I, I threw him on there as well. 
I, uh, I, I went to the nine as my next horse, Breezy Gust here. So second off the layoff, five-year-old. Uh, only tried the turf once, only been turf sprinting once. So it's kind of a little bit unknown in that perspective. But Paco takes up the mount. And the main thing to me that jumped out with the nine, I, I like the 10 to 1 price first off. But the next part that jumped out to me was the fact that we mentioned how much speed's in here. I think this nine gets the perfect trip. This is that horse that's going to sit four or five lengths off the lead and be able to make a run. I like Paco as a turf sprinting jockey. He generally is more aggressive with a lot of these horses, gets them in a pretty good position to be able to make that move and make that run. Not sure if we're good enough, uh, but second off the layoff, as a five-year-old, I'm hoping we can take a step forward. Hopefully we can handle the turf, and we should get the right trip. And the 10-to-1 price, I think, is key here. You mentioned price hunting early. We actually have the same single throughout this sequence, which is kind of crazy as well. And we both thought this was a race we could try and kind of spread out and get a little bit of a price uh, you use the two horse in this spot as well. Tell me a little about the two. Yeah, you know, the two, it's just kind of a wise ira at a jumping aboard. Could just be, a, hey, I needed a mount. This one was open. But look, I think the horse has been keeping pretty good company. Got beat by Big Invasion a couple of times. The race two back going five and a half against Big Invasion and the quick call at Saratoga, that's good enough to compete here. And I just thought, you know, with ira getting aboard, I'm pretty sure we're going to see a pretty good effort from this horse. I think five, five and a half furlongs, you know, he's kind of shown that's where he needs to be. Uh, you know, I just thought, well, I think this horse is going to float up from five to one. I don't know. I don't really want this horse to beat me. If I'm going to go five deep in here, this was kind of the fifth one on the ticket. I just kind of felt like, uh, I kind of felt like that this horse, this horse kind of fit uh, if Irad can give the, give him a perfect trip. Yeah, it's, I was high on surprise boss off that Dakota Gold loss. Dakota Gold, very good horse, obviously, down in the New York circuit. And then coming back in that quick call, just couldn't run with Big Invasion. There's no shame in that at all. You saw the same thing from the one horse as well. Um, the two actually, the two horse beat the one last time out as well. Um, that's right, set the pace and just kind of faded behind surprise boss. I don't hate the use here. Um, I, I think that surprise boss could get it done. I'm going to be interested to see what the price is on surprise boss as well. I thought five to one's a little bit short for the horse. Um, and that was my my main reason leaving it off. But it's, it's scary leaving I right off one of these races. Yeah, that, that was a big thing. If, if honestly, if I hadn't hadn't picked that mount up, I probably would have stayed away. But yeah, I don't want to get knocked out by Irad in the first leg in a leg where I'm going deep anyway, right? I mean, if you're singling here, well, you take your chances. But if I'm going five deep and Irad's not a part of it at parks, I'm probably stupid. Is no thanks. <laughs> is there a, is there anyone in here that you didn't use that you're scared of? I mean, this was the race that produced the bomb last time. Uh, let's see. 12 are going to actually run in this thing. I used five. So yeah, there's seven of them that I am scared of. <laughs> Look at that math. Nice work. <laughs> uh, the 12 is a little, the 12 is one that, that I may put on the ticket if I somehow can fit it on there. The, the numbers don't fit, but Duarte having two in here kind of makes me a little, a little nervous. Um, so we'll see if that 12 draws in and who rides the 12. I think it'll be interesting, but that one is, is an interesting one on race day that I keep an eye on. I thought about the 12 a little bit. Believe it or not, I thought about the 8 a little bit. You know, they tried to, they tried to get this horse on the turf last time. I thought, well, maybe it gets to the turf and wakes up. But I, it, kind of the same story. Not sure what the numbers are going to look like. I'm not sure if the horse is good enough. Yeah. No, I, I wore tossing is another one that I thought was interesting. Uh, Uriah St. Louis and Dexter Haddock have done me well in a lot of tournaments. So uh, I would not be surprised if that combination jumps up and, and makes some noise here as well. So, Interesting first race to kind of kick off the sequence. Aaron's ends up going five deep. I'm going to go four deep. Let's move on to the second race, the grade two gallant Bob uh, for three-year-olds going three for $300,000 going six furlongs over the dirt. I thought this was another tough race and you can kind of see it in the morning line here. Your favorites is what four to one in this spot. Uh, and that's going to be the three horse provocateur. 
did you put provocador on top here or did you kind of spread out and find someone else you liked man i gotta tell you this is an awesome field this is this is probably the best one of the hardest i guess fields uh, ever to pick a winner uh on top I, I used Provocateur, but I did not put the source on top. I put the nine running son of a gun, running son of a gun on top. Uh, here's the deal. I, I'm just hoping that running against really, really good horses and not getting embarrassed is good enough to beat this field. There's a lot of question marks in the field. I went five deep once again. Um, but look, the horse got beat by Charge It three races back, Gunite two races back, and Jack Christopher and Gunite last time out. Those horses would be heavy favorites in this race. Running son of a gun, six to one. Luis Saya is going to jump back aboard. He's, he's rode before, but Carmouche has been on the last three times. I, I just feel like this is the time for running son of a gun. Maybe he's just the type that's going to get second and third. I think he's going to get all the way up and win this one. So I put the nine on top in this one. I tell you, there's a lot of agreement here. We're, we're backing up a, a top picks here. Uh, you took the four last race. I took the four last race. I like running son of a gun here for a lot of the same reasons you said. This is my top pick as well. And I, I just like the quality and the, the horses that he's been with here. That that last race, I mean, my biggest concern here, okay, 56 to 1, two back in the Amsterdam, 41 to 1 last time out in the H. Allen Jerkins. Obviously, now taking him at 6 to 1 is a little bit concerning, but this is so much easier of a field. If we can get back and repeat either of those efforts, it feels like running son of a gun can beat this field. I was actually pretty happy with the 6 to 1 price. I'm hoping we can get yeah. that on race day. Do you think that sticks around? Nope. No. I think he's the favorite because I think everybody's got, I think, okay, now look, I don't think anybody's going to be a short price, right? He might be the seven to two, four to one type. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, people are going to see Jack Christopher and Gunite and, and go to this horse and they probably should. But good news is we like some other ones that are going to be prices as well. So, <laughs> Yes, we do. Uh, so my next horse in was the 11, Nakatomi for the Wesley Ward Barn. Uh, this one's just kind of gotten better. Very lightly raced three-year-old by firing line. Uh, last time out, gets a 90 by our career high, wins off the layoff. Haven't seen this horse since June 26th. I think this is an interesting spot to come back. You don't see Wesley Ward at parks very often. Um, but when he gets Joel Rosario, he's done very well, 26%. And this is one of those horses that, like, it's sneaky tactical. I mean, there is speed here, but not like the Wesley Ward speed that you'd normally expect. So I, I thought the 11 has a big shot in this spot. Uh, did you use the 11? Was that the one that made the ticket? I did. I did use the 11. I, I think this is the one is, okay, how good is he? You know, because he came off that layoff, like you mentioned, and he kind of was just cruise control win. He's going to have to be a bit faster, at least according to the time form numbers. I don't have the buyers in front of me. I think he's going to have to be a bit faster, but there's every reason to believe he's going to be faster in this race than what we've seen in the past. You remember him as a two-year-old? He actually got drafted in our uh, fantasy league uh, as a two-year-old turning three, and then of course didn't run uh, until it was too late. But you remembered that you remember that race at Keeneland. He really showed a ton of uh, of speed or a ton of talent, I should say. Beat my prankster, a horse that was pretty good at the time. Beat Chad a lot. He was pretty good at the time. And like I said, the last race was pretty good. I did use the eleven. Um, you know, I I don't know this horse. I think could be favored as well. I think he's he's one that people are going to see. Hey. We, we could get a jump up here, and it's very logical that he's going to do it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, this is 
I don't, I, I don't see the favorite being more than seven to two in this spot. I think you're going to get a price pretty much wherever you want to go. We both use Provocateur, the three horse. Um, this is just makes a ton of sense, right? It's Pletcher, it's Irad. Uh, this horse won last time out. Last time, two back faced Jack Christopher and Papa Cap and got beat by 10 lengths, but was still still a very good Woody Stevens effort for going seven furlongs in my mind. Uh, so it, just kind of a, a common sense use there. So I don't think we need to spend too much time on that horse. Uh, where else did you go here? I know we have one long shot we both like. Do you want to talk a little about the 12? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the 12, and I can do that and talk about my uh, last one because they come out of the same race, and it came over at Charlestown. So I do like the 12 a lot, I hope, quite a bit. Last time out at Charlestown, did win the Robert Hilton, uh, Robert Milton Stakes, uh, Robert Hilton Memorial Stakes. I'll get it right the third time. We'll there. <laughs> uh, that was a $250,000 purse. That was on Charlestown Classic Night. So pretty pretty decent field. Before that, beat a uh, beat a uh, ungraded stakes uh, uh, field at Laurel by 15. So the horses really come on. Those races were at seven furlongs, six furlongs though. I think the horse can compete. Um, I thought it at, at 10 to one. This was one you got to use. A lot of speed in the race. This horse comes from out of it. I think that's really good. And coming out of that race at Charlestown is the number two of a revolution. Was my last horse in. Um, got second behind a lot of hope. Um, but I think the six furlong races are a little bit better uh, for this one. So I think the cutback's going to help. So I did round it out with the two and the 12 there. Yeah, the, the cutback is the concern with the 12. Better at seven than six. At least that's what we've seen from the past performances. Interesting to see the difference in the morning line odds here. So the, the two horses, six to one in the morning line, the 12, 10 to one. Last time out, they were $2.10 and $2.30. So really not much difference. It'll be interesting to see if those odds stay Flavian Pratt jumping aboard the two, I think, is going to definitely force some money in that direction. But hopefully we can get a nice price here on the 12, because I agree with you. I think the 12 is a big chance. I use the 12 and not the two. Uh, a little concerned about the two, but I didn't want to go too crazy with my ticket. So that's kind of why I left that one off there. Um, but another competitive race here. I'll ask you the same question I asked you last time. Is there a horse that kind of was the last cut or just ended up on the cutting room floor here for you that you wish you could have used? A lot. A lot of them, honestly. Uh, it, this is one, you know, it could go a lot of different ways. We saw the number 10, Lightning Larry, how good that horse was at his best when he won the Chick Lang at 12 to 1 on uh, Preakness Day. And we're all like, what the, what, what just happened, right? So he's definitely one that I've, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about. I'm also worried about the number five, Little Vic, second off the layoff. I think the horse is going to improve. Has some races in the past performance that maybe can make him a little bit competitive. And I'll have out all the way to the 14. I don't like the post, but the horses won two in a row over this over this uh, course. So, I, yes, I'm worried about a lot of them. Yeah, Scaramucci, the 14, I'll say it, don't worry, is uh, is the one that, that kind of jumped out at me as well. We mentioned horse for course with Chris uh, and kind of talking about, hey, what what local horses could pop up? Uh, this one is one that in my sense, my mind could pop up. You got uh, Guadalupe uh, Presacado that's good, that has the, that is the trainer of this horse, 25% of parks. This horse specifically, five for six over parks. And now you get uh, John Velasquez who picks up this mount. And I don't mind that 14 post. Yeah, it's not wonderful, but I think you're going to be able to figure out where to sit as you run into this first turn because the, you, the horse is not going to be on the lead. It's going to be kind of behind that first flight of horses. So I think you should be able to save a little bit of ground and then try to make your own trip from there. So we'll see what. What John Velasquez can do is that 14. That's one that I would might add if we lose a scratch or here or there. Because I do think that you always have one of these local horses at parks every year that wins one of these races. And I think Scaramucci could be that horse this year. Yep. I'm, I agree. I'm worried about that one. All right. Let's head on the 11th over at parks. The grade one cotillion here, a mile and a 16th on the dirt. To me, the most interesting race in this sequence. Because I think there's a lot to unpack here. 
Let's start with a Derry Manor, which I think is a place that a lot of handicappers are going to start. Two horse in this spot for Bob Baffert, Mike Smith aboard. Last two races, this horse was not trained by Bob Baffert. The two prior to it were monster efforts out of the Bob Baffert barn. We're getting into the back into the Bob Baffert barn. We've seen a lot of these horses that went to other places that are now getting back to their form. Here's a Dare Manor who was supposed to be the best three-year-old filly for a long time, now showing up here. Neither of us are using her. What was your reasoning on not using a Dare Manor? You know, here's the deal. She just never really beat much in those blowout wins, right? She's a lot like the female version of Messier. Now, we haven't really got to see what Messier is truly made of because when he left Santa Anita, it was a crazy-ass derby, but he was right up on the pace, and we haven't seen him. So probably not fair to say he sucks. But this horse, we saw it, right? Went to the Santa Anita Oaks, huge favorite of three to five, and got beat by an Arizona bred. Now, Dares of Dawn is not awful, but she's not a world beater either, folks. Went to the Black Eyed Susan, got beat by Interstate Daydream. We kind of found out last time out, Interstate Daydream's not really a world beater either. So those two races have me a little skeptical on Adari Manor. She may beat me. I'll be the first to say it. I think she's going to take a lot of money. I think we can get around her here. I agree with the take a lot of money. I, I think she may actually go off the favorite in this spot, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I, I realize we have Secret Oath in here, who is your morning line favorite and deservingly so. But it's going to be interesting to see how much money pours in for Bob Baffert horse, who's coming back here with those numbers. I completely agree with you. I don't think she beat much on the East Coast. I don't think we've seen anything from the East Coast Phillies in the last two years in these three-year-old classes. And so I'm not willing to take any type of a short price on a horse that's coming back with a ton of question marks that really the the feathers in her cap are all beating West Coast horses, West Coast Phillies, which just aren't that good. Yep. All right, let's go here. Well, who's your top pick here? Did you end up with – so I put Secret Oath on top. I, I was We've talked about Secret Oath and Nest in those last two races that they ran against each other. Nest dominated two back. Secret Oath got the trip last time and still got blown out. But Nest is the best three-year-old filly in the country. Did you see enough to put Secret Oath on top here? I didn't, and – you know, here's the deal. This should this is one of my favorite horses ever. By arrogant, out of absent-minded, a horse who got me into the racing big time. Like I would go to Oakland just to watch absent-minded when she was running. So I love Secret Oath, but I just can't back her at a short price on top. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use her. I am gonna use her. I, I because you know what? I think the pace could be hot. I think her best trip is to sit back, make one run, so that she could mow him down. I didn't go that way on top. I went green up on top. Uh, you heard Chris mention this horse as well. It's won four races in a row, and it's just absolutely blown out horses. And you remember the horse Interstate Daydream who beat a Dari Manor in the Black Eyed Susan? Yeah, green up absolutely dominated Interstate Daydream last time out at Parks in the Catherine Sophia, which is the local prep uh, for this race coming up here on Saturday. So Irad Ortiz came down to ride her that day, back on her again, obviously, after that. Well, I'm telling you, I think this horse is really nice. And I think a mile 16th is perfect. I Listen, she may get outclassed by Secret Oath. I'm going to go green up on top and take my chances. I'm, I'm using her as well. I'm going three deep. I love the fact that she's won over this track. I love the fact that Irad rode her in that race and now gets to ride her again. Chris mentioned the distance should not be any issue here. So I'm not worried about that even a little bit. I also like the fact that we're a little more tactical. Um, Greenup can decide what trip that she wants. Irak can decide what trip he wants on this horse, whether or not it's go and go to the lead or stay close to the lead. Being on the rail helps out here as well. So you're going to save ground around that first turn. I'm not worried about getting buried because of that tactical speed. I think there's a lot of things to like about Greenup. I'm really interested to see what the price is here. 
Because, I mean, Your Honor, I obviously like her. The chat is all over the 1-6, one, 1-6-7. One, We're seeing that consistently here coming in in this race. What do you think Greenup actually goes off at in this spot? And do you think Greenup goes to the lead? Or do you think this is a, you know, you let a Derry Manor go? What, what do you think that the, the connections are thinking from a race setup perspective? Well, first question, I think three to one is probably about right. Honestly, that's what I would expect. Second question, it's a good one. And I think it's the key. I It depends on what Adari Manor does, right? Um, I think she can kind of go out there and control it. But at the same time, we just haven't seen her do that the last two races. She hasn't gotten that lead. I also think the nine society's got a lot of pay, a lot of speed. I think with the Dari Manor breaking right to the outside, Irad's got the advantage. He, he's just going to kind of read what's happening there. If she doesn't break well or whatever, just take the lead. Try to take him gate to wire. If she flies out there, green up has shown, and you said it, she can be tactical. She'll just sit kind of right behind in that first flight, save the ground, tip out and go. I think that's the ideal trip. I'd love to see the two and the nine go out there, be battling, and green up sit right there in third, a couple of links off, like just waiting to pounce. That, that's in my mind how I kind of see it going now. You know, horse racing will laugh at your stupid ideas once the gates break, but that's kind of the way I'm seeing it. Yeah, I would, I would expect that you're going to see society go as well. You mentioned the nine horse there. I think the four is kind of sneaky to go, 30 to one, but probably pace presence coming out of a, a six furlong race where it went 24, 22 and 4, 46. You know you have a nice enough early pace, and you're not winning this race if you're the four by doing anything but try and go gate to wire. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see the four inject some pace in here as well. Um, this is where we diverge. I went with the one and the six. I went to the seven. I'm going to pull this up before I butcher the name. Shahama here uh, for the Todd Pletcher barn. This is the other one I was interested in specifically because I think we're going to sit a beautiful trip right behind the speed here. Um, I like the fact that you get Pratt aboard, back aboard for this horse, Rotor and the Mother Goose. Um, this is one where I just think it's going to take time for her to come around in the Todd Pletcher barn. She's been asked to run in back-to-back-to-back graded stakes since coming to America. This is the spot where I think you're finally going to see the best of her because it's been she's been in the Todd Pletcher barn long enough to really have him be able to develop out the talent and, and understand what she is good at and what she needs to win. So I'm excited to see Shahama come out here and what she can do. And I like the eight to one price. I think I'm gonna get every bit of it because I think that the one or the, the two, um, the two and the six are both taking quite a bit of money in this spot. And I think your horse is going to get bet as well. Uh, so I'm hoping I get eight to one on Shahama, but we'll see what ends up happening here, but I'm going to end up one, six, seven in this spot. I, I like Shahama. That was the, the, the last horse off the ticket for me. Um, if, you, if you feel like you can you know, narrow down the first two legs, the Shahama would be one that's logical to throw on. Here's why I picked gerrymander over Shahama. Okay. And it's, it's a simple one. The last time these two raced at a mile and 16th, gerrymander beat Shahama by three. Now it was a Belmont. It was a one turn mile 16th race. Now we're going two turns. Shahama looked great last time out at Monmouth. Gerrymander, eh got kind of smoked by the best horses in the crop. I'm going to take a guess that maybe gerrymander just hated the mile and a quarter. Doesn't really have a pedigree that suggests a mile and a quarter is within the range. The cut back to a mile and 16th is going to be awfully good for her. I think it's very debatable though, because I do think the two turn aspect of it could kind of switch over to Shahama's favor, but I just can't get that in my head, man. Gerrymander looked so good that day in the mother goose winning that race. I thought, yeah, we're back at a mile 16th. That's the filly I want to use. So I put her in, in there as the third horse on. I don't blame you. I, I, that, that race was nice. I'm, I'm worried it's that one turn mile at 16th that helped her. We'll see if, yeah. it's, if the two turns makes a difference. Uh, but she she looked did look very good there and obviously beat uh, Shahama. So 
I, I get it. I just it's gonna be interesting to see what Rosario does on this horse as well. Because you've seen this horse win up front, win from the back. You have no idea what he's gonna decide to do. I have no comment on that. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's head on to the feature here, the grade one Pennsylvania Derby, one million dollars uh for three-year-old Colts, uh, mile and eighth here. Over the dirt course there at Parks, you've got all the usual suspects in here. We've got Zanin. We've got Cyberknife. We've got Tava. We've got Tony Port. We've got White Abario making a return. Civil Vacation's back. Um, this is another spot where I think it's a, it's a very interesting race. There's going to be a lot of big opinions for people coming from all over the place. Obviously, you saw some very good efforts from Zanin at Saratoga. We saw Cyberknife be able to win the Haskell, then come back and run second there in the Travers. Neither of us are using either of those. We're both singling. <laughs> You want to kick it off and tell everybody where we're singling here? Well, here we go, right? This is it. Uh, <laughs> hopefully we're alive to this point. Uh, look, I I'm singling number eight, Taba. You said it. We're both singling. Um, here's the deal. You've got to – this is – the all these races are tough, right? If you if you, if you you could afford it, you'd just go four or five deep in all of them, right? But I'm telling you right now, you got to just pick the one horse that you want to play through and go with it and try to build around it and hope your opinion is right. My strongest opinion on the five races is Taba. So that's what I'm going to play through with this single. Look, this is the first time since his maiden race, he's actually spotted in a logical race. Let's look back at this horse off of a maiden going six furlongs. We went to a mile and an eighth Santa Anita Derby. Never should have been in the race. He won. Okay. But it, it, the price he's paid is the rest of his season so far up to this point has just been a mess. They had to go to the Derby off of that because he looked too damn good, and that was a disaster. Then, instead of, okay, third race was the Kentucky Derby where things went haywire. Instead of going to an allowance or a listed stakes, they go to the Haskell, and they take on Jack Christopher and Cyberknife. Not easy. That is not an easy ask. I felt like last time out was the first time he was able to run a race and they actually learned something about him, right? They said all kinds of things. Maybe we don't think he likes running uh, inside of horses. Well, that's pretty easy to correct now that you know it, but they had no way to know it and learn it in a race that's logical where he could win easily. You know, he was in a dogfight. I, I also, I think they kind of figured out, yeah, we don't need to move that early on him. Wait a little bit. I think he waited on, on horses once he got to the lead. You go back and watch that at the top of the stretch. This horse was gone. I was standing right next to uh, Vinny uh, from Real Dynasty and uh, Jason Hommel, uh, usually a commenter on the show. We looked at each other and said, oh, my God, tables, it's five links. And we look back at the screen and it's like, well, here comes Cyberknife, you know, and I, I don't think he saw him. He's going to get revenge on him. I love that he skipped the next round of races. He's been working out great. I think he comes up here fresh. I think he catches the Cyberknife horse. But, man, he ran really hard in the Travers. Maybe he's not ready for the top effort. I'm singling Tava, Samich. I, I am, too. And I, for all the reasons you said, and because I think that this is a horse that's just getting better still. Like, you look at, you hear about the way Bob Baffert talks about him. They mentioned it in the chat here. Shadi mentioned it. Compared Tava to Silver Charm this morning. You know, just, you know, a horse that almost won the Triple Crown. No big deal. Um, and you go back and you watch that Haskell. And you go back and you watch the Sanity Derby. Not professional. Not even a little bit. Right. And even in the Haskell, you, the horse you mentioned at the top of the stretch looked like a winner by five. At the top of the turn, looked like a loser by 15. And then all of a sudden, clicked into gear and you see this monster move. And then you mentioned it as well. Got to the front and just like, oh, la di da. We're just going to hang out up here. We're not going to open up. When Tava puts it together, watch out. And I, and I don't know if it's here. 
I don't know if it's the next race, but it's coming and it's going to be impressive when it all comes together. We're scratching the surface through what we have seen so far based on the talent and the mental awareness this horse has. As soon as they both click in, it's going to be scary. And, and I, like, look, I don't I don't want to love Tava. I'll be completely honest. I wish I didn't like Tava because of the connections and everything else. But I also want to pick winners. And and you're dealt the hand you you play the hand you're dealt. And in this case, Tava's scary good when it all gets right. And I think you're going to see it get right here on Saturday. It's, if it doesn't get right Saturday, I don't know that it's going to happen this year. This is the perfect spot. Yeah, it's a tough field, but at least it's the logical spot, right? <laughs> like yeah. I, 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 I argued with Jared. I said, look, the Haskell was not a great spot for that horse. It was crazy to put yeah, him well, in that grade one. Also wasn't allowed. <laughs> well, I mean, that, yeah, that's true. Too, but I don't know. I, I just, I, I just feel like this is the spot. I, I am not like a Taba fanboy like Jared, but I look at this and it's like, he had, like I learned in the Haskell, he's got major ability because I really question San into Derby. I don't really know what Messier is yet. Good win, no doubt. But I didn't know that it was a great win, fantastic win. And the Kentucky Derby was this awful. He showed a lot in the Haskell and you're right. If he just improves, progresses, doesn't have to figure it all out just takes a step towards figuring all out he should win in this spot all right so we talked quite a bit about table let's talk about the rest of the horses in this race because they de deserve some 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 time here on the show um i had cyberknife in second I, I was really impressed with what cyberknife did in the haskell and then was able to run back in the travers I, I don't love the idea of chalking out here but sometimes in these races you've seen enough there is no unknowns in this race this is you kind of know everybody here and i think we know who the best two horses are did you have cyberknife sitting in second as well yeah, I think it's a two-horse race. I don't really know a reason why you would think it's not a two-horse race. Now, it's horse racing, and sometimes it certainly does not shake out like that. But, I mean, Cyberknife has been fantastic his last two races. The Haskell, that's the thing. Taba would have won the Haskell if Cyberknife doesn't run a, a fantastic race. He backed it up in the Travers, man. He went out there, he set the pace, and uh, he held on for second. I thought that was gritty. I think the cutback to mile and eighth is going to be much better for him. Yeah, I think he's in second. I, I like him a lot. Um, real quick, this is a question from CJ I think is pretty interesting. I can get Tabor right now, two-to-one fixed odds. Would you take two-to-one on Tabor, or do you think you're going to get something different at post time here? Two-to-one, five-to-two morning line right now in 11-horse field? I like him an awful lot, so I'm thinking he's going to be like seven-to-five, eight-to-five. But people do like Cyberknife. People are really gravitating towards Zandon in the spot. Tough call, CJ. I, I, I bet – at worst, you're going to break even on that. I think he is going to get that down to two to one at least. If you're betting fifty bucks to win, I put twenty five of it on two to one, and I'd save the other twenty five to see what what you get when they, the first click comes, because I think that would give you at least some guaranteed two to one money. Because I agree there, and I think if like when we both single a horse and it's in this type of race, generally that means that horse is usually going to get bet just from what we've seen kind of go through the past through the years really um, in these type of spots. You mentioned Zandon. Logical third choice as well here. I don't have him in third. I have him in fourth, so we'll get there in a second. Um, do you think Zanna can actually win this race? Because we've talked about Zanna a lot finishing second and third. No epicenter today. Still a tough field. Does like five to one on Zanna seems really short to me personally. Would you play him at five to one? What would you need to bet Zanna in this spot? I would need more than five to one. Uh, look, I'm a huge fan of Zanna. I think he's beautiful horse. I mean, gorgeous. I was a huge fan of him in the bluegrass. Here's the key. 
He's facing Smile Happy in the bluegrass. He just hasn't been able to beat horses better than Smile Happy when they, when he's when he's jumped up. Nothing wrong with that. A lot of horses can't do that. Listen, he had no excuse to get beat to Epicenter in the Kentucky Derby, let alone Red Strike. He had absolutely no excuse in the Jim Dandy to let Epicenter beat him. Forget about Epicenter and the Travers. He was unbelievable. Zandon had zero excuse not to beat Cyberknife for second. People are excited that Rosario gets a board. He is strong. He's a strong closing rider. I just can't back Zandon until he shows me he can beat a field like this. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to play a cold try. And so I'm going to play, I'm going to play eight, five. um, And then I'm going to put the four, my old friend, Skippy Longstocking in third, who I think has a legit shot here at hitting the board at a decent price. Maybe even put a little Skippy in second there to try and sprinkle in a little bit of value. That last race was really good. And and I talked about this horse at the Preakness. I talked about horse in the Belmont comes back and looks awesome in the West Virginia Derby. I think this is a really good distance for Skippy Longstocking, who by the way, has tactical speed. Um, could sit a really nice trip in this spot. I, I kind of like the four if I'm going to try and beat the eight from a price perspective. Well, we're either going to lose together or win together because I, I'm right there with you. I've got Skippy Longstocking in third. This horse has been really, really good. The West Virginia Derby was an exceptional race, really. If you go back and watch that, we the people had it all his own mm-hmm. way, and he could not hold off Skippy, and he tried. He battled back on him, but he couldn't hold him off. It, for me, I would rather take Skippy than a simplification or wide a barrio. I think they're kind of cooked. I kind of know what they are. Sure, they may beat me, but you know, I'll try. I'll try to take that up and coming, uh, up and coming horse and Skippy Longstocking a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think he can juice this up. I love it. All right, long ride. What's up, man? Welcome uh, to the show. Coming in from awesome. the Philippines, five four fifty two in the morning. Just woke up, made breakfast for the kids. You gotta tell us what you made, man. You can't, you can't leave us hanging like that. We we do an omelet here. We got cereal with some milk. I mean, how we we gotta know what you're making here. All right, let's head to the last race here, Aaron. Thirteenth uh, race on the card. The Alphabet Soup, awesome horse, by the way. Go watch him win the Breeders' Cup Classic at Woodbine, I believe it was. Uh, going to mile sixteenth on the turf here. Your favorite on the rail by Land and Sea. We've had three top picks the same. I put the one on top. Are we making it four? Yeah, I put oh, the one geez. on top. Savage, this horse should not lose the race. Plain really and simple. Shouldn't. Really should. I almost went single, single to close this and spread more earlier. Uh, you know, the only reason I didn't, it, well, I, I I don't know. I don't mind the trainer change. I almost said because of the trainer change, I don't really mind it. Detro to Prashado, it doesn't really matter much. It's at parks. Look. This horse is lone speed on paper. Yep. Horse gets the rail and yep. spotted in a super logical race. This horse should dominate. Yeah, I mean, you, you nail on the head there, right? Like, I, I, I'm going to be looking at what this double pays. Uh, the eight one double. You know, just just a heads up for everybody out there who think about in day betting. I, I think that this is one of those where if you like the eight, you like the one, and you get a double price. It's 10, 15 to one somewhere in that range. It's a wonderful bet. Um, I, this horse should be a pretty heavy favorite in the race. I'm expecting six to five, seven to five range. Clearly the best horse on paper, clearly lone speed, gets the rail. Nice trainer switch. I'm not worried about switching barns because you've got a solid trainer here. You have a trackie that knows the track well. <laughs> it could be tough. We both went too deep here. Who's the other one that we both used? Yeah, you know, I think the mid, uh, number six midnight haulers one you got to use uh, just because look at the two turf races. I mean, this horse, I don't know how they didn't run this horse on the turf sooner. He's been fantastic in both those races. He beat You Must Chill last time out. Pretty decent horse. Um, the numbers fit. This to me is kind of uh, the one is just too good to be true. And it is a Pennsylvania bred and maybe he doesn't show up. I think the six is clearly the second best. 
I'm going to use the six, you know? So yeah, I mean, not a lot of, uh, you, you know, reinventing the wheel here. These, this look like the two best sources to me. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought about the three with IRAG getting aboard, but the turf races are atrocious. The, the third numbers fit. The turf races suck. But second off a layoff, you get IRAD. I don't hate the three at a price, but I, I just I didn't want to spend too much here. And if I wanted to spread, I would have singled the one here and went went deeper earlier. Yeah, I mean, and that that was kind of the thing. You play with the around with the one a little bit, but I just thought, you know what? Do I want to be single to a horse like Taba or a horse like this? Table one out. That maybe if Cyberknife wins, that's gonna be sad, but that's that's just the decisions you gotta make on these. All right, that's all we got for the Parks Late Pick 5 here. Before we go, we're going to give out the tickets. I will go first. 50 cent ticket for me, 1459 with 39, 12 with 167 with 8 with 16. That'll cost you $48 for 50 cents. Aaron, what do you got for us? Yeah, we're pretty similar. I'm going 124511 with 239, 12 with 156 with 8 with 16. Uh, $75 for For everyone scoring at home, we both have the four on top in the first race. We both have the nine on top in the second race. Uh, My top pick is the six and the third. Aaron's is the one who's my third pick. We're both using them. We both have Taba as a single, and we both have the one on top in the last. A $5 pick five would cost you $10 with those horses. I may be punching that in myself just because when Aaron and I agree, usually it's a good result. Uh, Real quick before we go, I know you got to jump on another show here in about two minutes. Talk about some Thursday night football. We always do it here on the Thursday night show. We've got the Browns. We've got the Steelers. We've got some trash quarterbacks and a whole bunch of wind. Where are you leaning here on this game, Aaron? <laughs> like I said this morning, it makes me sick, but I am leaning on the Browns here. Uh, I think they can run the ball a little bit better than Pittsburgh tonight, and I think that's the key to the whole thing. I, I know the quarterbacks, you know, neither one of them are going to play very well. You know, one thing, Jacoby Brissett, at least he's mobile. Maybe he can make a couple plays with his feet. Maybe that'll help. Uh, I'll just take a little shot with the Browns, but it's going to be rough. Yeah. Real quick in the chat. uh, So I like like the first half under 19. The Browns went up to four and a half. I've been waiting on them to go to two and a half for the whole day in the first half. I haven't been able to get it. You can pay juice on Bookmaker, get Browns minus 116 for the first half, minus two and a half. I took a little bit of that. I took a little under 19 first half. I think that's a solid bet as well. Uh, before we go, two quick things. First off, I haven't looked at the Oklahoma Derby yet, but I bet Aaron has. Who do you like yeah. in the Oklahoma Derby? Uh, yes. No, I'm not going to say it right now. Tune in to Blinkers Off, Davey, and you, we will tell you. We're going to cover the Oklahoma Derby coming up here in a couple of seconds. And look at that. And lastly, tournament news. Yes. Holy buckets, we got it. Uh, so we've been trying to figure out how to do this to kind of change it up. We're going to be doing a tournament series over RacingDudes.com starting this Saturday, open to anyone, not just subscribers. You can join for $20. The top five or one in every 10 will make it into the final tournament where we're going to seed the pool with $500. And if you are a subscriber, when you win both, when you win your seat and when you win the tournament, you'll get an extra $250 cash. So we're seeding it with $750 uh, for you to play into. And we'll try and do live shows during these tournaments as well. The plan is to have is at least one a month, not positive on the number, but at least one a month. And we're moving the buy-in from 10 to 20 uh, so that there's some some serious cash available, too, in those first tournaments as well. So all of this is coming. It's starting this Saturday. The tournament is already available. Check your email. Uh, It'll be in the Daily Blast emails. I'm sure we'll tweet it out a couple times as well. So make sure to check out the new Racing Dudes tournament series starting this Saturday. It's it's on the main website, too. You go to racingnews.com. It's the third uh, post. It says tournament return if you want to check that out right now as well. Yep. 
So yeah, we got tournament news. Sorry it took so long. We needed to work with uh, horse tourneys to figure out how to be able to do this and how to make it so that there's a cool way to do prizes at the end. So this Saturday going to be the first in the series. The top five, at least, will qualify through to the finals. And the finals will be on, I want to say it is uh, December 26th at Santa Anita. Yeah. Right? That's what we decided. Uh, And so we're going to try and make these major tournament Saturdays as well. So it's a lot of the things that you've handicapped. And we'll also be focusing on single cards versus the spread out tournament so that we can jump on and talk through big time cards from big time tracks and have some fun with it. So thank you for sticking with us. Really appreciate that. Uh, we will be back Saturday. I know a bunch of people have been asking about it and that's, uh, that's kind of what we've been able to work out here. Yeah. And it's real quick. We weren't like ignoring them. Didn't want to do them, you know, hated you guys. No, it was just, we wanted to work out something that that was kind of a little bit more. Uh, I don't know what the word is. It's like more, more fun really than what we've been doing. So that's what we've been doing. We've been working with horse attorneys and uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We saw we saw the response and we wanted to biggie size it. This is how we did that. Uh, so we're getting the, we're getting the, the the big time thing. Yeah. So it's open to the public as well, which means this is going to grow quite a bit. So we're hoping to get you know anywhere from fifty to one hundred people in these things and see what happens. So we're going to have some fun with it, baby. Yeah. Structured. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Tang. <laughs> I could not get think of the word. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get out of here. So we'll play some outro music. Aaron's probably going to jump right back on here. He's got blinkers off. Make sure you stick around. And right after that, Aaron's going to go three straight hours because he's got dudes who bet sports leading you into the Thursday night football game. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us for the Magic Mike Show. We will be back on Monday with a recap. Magic will be back as well. Maybe we'll do a pick four, pick five. You know, hey, why not? We do that every now and then. Aaron, good luck today. You're doing the five shows, Stan. I'm proud of you, man. Way to go. I'm tough. (laughs) All right, take care, everybody. Good luck this weekend. Racing, it's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts if they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So, ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak, the Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show. Every week, the Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.